guys ready? Oh, oh, we're live. Ha <laughs> ha, gotcha. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am Jahananan, and I like shenanigans. Uh, I'm the Game Master Extraordinaire, and uh, what's my other one? Board Game Guru. Yeah, I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective, and I did a bunch of missing children detective work. Uh, now, I just play tabletop games and make jokes on the internet. You can find me at CasualtyCDG, uh, and you can find me and Jahan every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on Fresh Out the Box, where we play games. And I'm the professional media and movie mastermind, the funhouse, Drew Munhausen, and it only took us 30 episodes before we started skimming these intros and being getting silly with it. Um, yeah, that's it's our 30th episode, so how... How about that? I mean, wow. technically, we had a, a bonus episode that came out like a, over a week ago or so, so it's thirty-one. But uh, as who's far as counting? Officially numbered episodes. This is Drew, Drew's counting. Drew's counting. Well, speaking uh, of counting, I'm actually currently, as we're recording, the WWE Royal Rumble is on, and I have it on to my side, so I might occasionally comment on live wrestling that's happening. Which, when this audio <laughs> podcast drops it will have already aired so it that's gonna be really dumb true but um yeah it is yeah really currently there's concept. a countdown and uh oh somebody we got four three two one somebody's coming out right now oh who's, who's it gonna be who's it gonna be it is <laughs> rhea ripley has just come out in the in the royal rumbles oh, there you the go fuck that is She's no. number 16 in the Royal Rumble. Oh, is the girls Good chance Rumble? that she'll win it. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's Lady Rumble right now. What's really so good anyway, about this is, this is... This is just great podcasting to start off with. I was going to say what's great about this podcasting is that anyone who is going back in time and watching the Rumble while they're listening can sync this up to when Rhea Ripley came out. So it's almost, <laughs> it's almost like this is forever in history what you should listen to while watching the 22 Rumble. It somehow <laughs> becomes a live commentary you episode and a have, podcast at the same time. You this don't is great. have to go back in time. <laughs> you can just watch a recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, the recording, I'm saying it takes you back. Like, you can go back and watch the 22 Rumble and listen to this. It'll take you back to that time. Gotcha. It, and it'll be like your friends are sitting not, there watching the Rumble with you. I'm not supposed to talk to you, apparently. Oh, that's right. Uh, during this episode, Jahan cannot speak to me. Uh, Drew, we both speak Gary to Drew. That... Oh my gosh, now that would be <laughs> good podcasting. Ooh, what? You so, know where you can find Drew? Uh, in case you're looking for him, you can find him at Drew Munhausen and at your mother's house. But oh, 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 you know where else you could find him, Jahan? What? You could find him in the toilet because he's a toilet lord. This has gone off the rails. <laughs> this so fast. Into a weenie in the butt, it, real so quick. quickly. <laughs> um, anyway, so as much as I would love to just have this whole podcast be a live commentary of the Royal Rumble, there actually was a pretty big piece of media that dropped earlier this week, which, you know, we've been watching the Book of Boba Fett and. Mm. We've talked about it um, here and there on the show. I think there's maybe a couple weeks ago we had like a little bit more extended conversation about where the show was. But I'm making it. It's kind of funny that we wait till what was this? The fourth episode, fifth episode. I can't even remember what number it was, but this is the one that um, we're ending up making this the kind of the main discussion point of the show. 
Um, because I think, and spoilers, here, you know, straight well, up, spoilers, spoilers. Show, spoilers for the newest episode of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, the show kind of shifted to being a Mandalorian episode there for a second. And so uh, I think it's worth talking about because there's there's a little bit to unpack here. So I'm interested to get um, y'all's thoughts. I'm interested to hear what you thought of the episode. Uh, you know, and we can we can kind of start there, I guess, to unpack things. But what do you think of the newest episode of the book of Boba Fett that didn't feature Boba Fett? I had to pause it during the episode to make sure I was like not having a fever dream. I was like, what, 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 what is this? What show is this? Like, how long is this going to happen before Boba Fett shows up? Um, and as we now know, in hindsight, he didn't. No complaints from me, but I seriously, I paused it to see like how much time is left. Seriously, what, what is this? I'm, I was loving it too much to believe it was real. Yeah. Uh, so. I got spoiled by TikTok, uh, and I'm, I was pretty pissed about it. Uh, it was like a video that was not about the Book of Boba Fett. It was about, I think, Bryce Dallas How- Howard. And uh, and then all of a sudden it was like, boom! Like, like just right into it with a uh, video of The Mandalorian. and Like, new footage. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. Fucking dickbag. Uh, but so I got uh, spoiled for me. But yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard did this episode. And it, I like. She it did a, lot. a couple episodes of The Mandalorian too. Yeah, uh, I think in both seasons. It's mm-hmm. really cool uh, that she got to come back. And then, I mean, this episode was great. I loved it. Uh, I'm sure we'll get deeper into it than that. But yeah, first impressions when the Mandalorian showed up, like, hey, look, I, I was pretty psyched. I was pretty. Yeah, you see that silhouette first, and then yeah. he steps through, and you get the little like mandalorian theme kind of plays mm-hmm. as he makes his entrance and i'll and yeah i had the same kind of i kind of sat more upright in my chair like oh okay so this is this is where we're going all right all right let's I like I'm, here. About the I'm here for it and with the way season or episode four had ended of boba i i was like you know my skin tingled it played the mandalorian theme they said money can buy you know money can buy power money can buy an army uh and so we knew there was going to be some mando and just getting an entire I episode. Did not. I you didn't. No, I thought that they were gonna go. I I was like, hey, maybe that's they the did. opening. But I thought they were gonna go pick up uh, the Wookie. I thought, no, man, his the the Mando theme hit as soon as they said money can buy an army. It it, yeah, it did like the Mando yeah. sound, and I was like, oh shit! It went right, right past. It went right over my head. Oh no, man! I lost my shit. I knew exactly what was coming, but I thought it was going to be something like Mando was on Tatooine, or they like called him on the radio and they're like, "Mando, we need your help." Yeah. Uh, but instead, we got an entire description of uh, basically Mandalore and the future of what's to come. Mm-hmm. The way that Mandalorian had left off was sort of like, "Look, he's probably going to lead these Mandalorians and retake their planet and be the king." Um, and what we got instead, just in the middle of Book of Boba, out of nowhere, we get a surprise uh, for Mandalorian, yeah. which is that he's not going to be leading that team anymore. Uh, <laughs> he's no longer Mandalorian, at least not right now, because this is the way. I 1000% did not expect an um, uh, episode of Book of Boba Fett to, one, not feature Boba Fett, and two, be completely about the Mandalorian. That definitely caught me by surprise. And uh, change the entire plot of the, the show The Mandalorian. Mm. If you weren't watching Book of Boba and you were just watching Mandalorian, when it goes back to season three, you're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, where are those people? 
Yeah. He was working with the people. Uh, so it's really cool. Not only did they do that, they they changed the entire Mando storyline in an episode of a show that wasn't his. Super yeah. awesome. He did expect we would get some sort of hint of Mandalorian yeah, during this story. I, I'm with y'all for sure. I did not expect an entire episode devoted to him in the middle of the, the season that didn't feature Boba Fett at all. Um, I think that the main takeaway for me is going back to last year when uh, season two of The Mandalorian ended. We got at the end of the last, you know, obviously The Mandalorian season two kind of wrapped up the arc with Grogu and all that was happening in the first two seasons, kind of wrapped it up with a pretty bow. And then we got that teaser at the end for the book of Boba Fett. So we knew that'd be it. But I think at that time, obviously, we didn't get you know, any kind of news saying, yeah, Mandalorian's done. This is it. You know, instead it was like, we're getting the Book of Boba Fett next year kind of in place of the Mandalorian. And I think I always kind of knew that the Book of Boba Fett would kind of be like a Mandalorian interlude to, you know, to an extent of like, this is kind of to fill in and then maybe we'll see more Mandalorian in this or he'll show up and whatever. And so now... You had Mandalorian show up and take the reins for an episode and you see kind of what he's been doing and now he's he's going to be back with Boba Fett again. And my assumption is the season, when the when this season ends of the Book of Boba Fett, it's going to have Mandalorian set up for a new adventure to where next year we're going to get, you know, the Mandalorian season three, you know, as, as in full and, you know, It'll be maybe continuing some of the previous storylines, but with like a new arc set up. That's that's my guess. Um, if I had to, you know, hypothesize what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, get, yeah. Good. Sorry. Oh, well, and I was just gonna say, and I mean, I'm with y'all. I loved this episode. Mm. I thought it was awesome. And I thought it was very telling that the best episode of the, the book, book of Boba, Boba Fett, Fett was so far didn't there. feature yeah. Boba Fett at all. Uh, and I what that says like, about Boba Fett and what that says about the Mandalorian. Well, I really like what's going on in Book of Boba. I love Mos Eisley. I have since a kid, uh, since I was a kid. I love the criminal underground and the fact that it's not still mm-hmm. Jabba or Bib Fortuna. We, we're looking at all these new villains, and I'm really intrigued in that world, and I'm ready yeah. to explore it. But I do like Jin Pajaran more than I like Boba Fett, just as a character. Um but I, I really, I'm glad we're seeing Tatooine. The, the other characters in Mandalorian, uh, it's much more of a onto like like a whole cast type of show to me. Whereas Boba is very much about Boba. Uh, Mando is almost about an entire cast of people. He's he says the least words in his own show. It seems like. Uh, so he's almost just passing the uh, the lines to everybody else. It's it's a neat concept. Um, seeing him melt down the Beskar spear and mm. making what appears to be chain link Beskar armor for Grogu, mm-hmm. uh, I'm totally in. I, though <laughs> there there was a part of me that wanted to see a Yoda shaped helmet come out of that forge. Yeah. Well, uh, they tied up. I liked how she tied up whatever was in there. In like it looked like his head, kind of. It had like the little ears, but um, it definitely. I think it was like a chess piece or something. If I had to guess, it's adorable either way. It, it um, was. It was definitely rings, and so rings? I'm guessing it's 
Yeah, it's going to be some kind of ring mail, some kind of Beskar chain mail. Oh, that's that's cool. what I took. It that's has, too. Cool. It's like a chain mail. For that makes him. sense, because it was like, yeah, that that, it's, yeah, that makes sense. It's small, and he's small, and it definitely showed chain links that like come out of the forge. Bilbo's fucking Mithril shirt. Uh, yes, that's so, exactly right. <laughs> so, like, yeah, with the Book of Boba Fett, what, uh, what I think they're doing, right? I think that they're using this as a cool chance to develop, like... Uh, their their villains and like new villains and introduce them for like future content uh i think that that's probably what they're aiming for here i think that we're gonna get a lot of i think we're gonna get a lot of recurring villains out of this show so Um, i didn't know that the pike syndicate is like a big fucking deal Um, they're from clone wars and mm. in Clone Wars, they are like one of the bad guys. They they trade all the spice in the in the outer rims, and so them moving in and taking over Tatooine, they're not some small street gang. Yeah, they are the largest criminal syndicate. And now with Jabba out of the way, they're moving in to take over Tatooine. And so it's a really big deal that we, as people who didn't watch Clone Wars, we don't really know how big of a deal they are. But I think that you're absolutely right in that this show could be introducing an entire new gang of mooks. Uh, You know, the syndicate that you could use all over the universe now. Uh, I I do think that's kind of what's going on. I don't think they're going to be one and done beat in in the first season of Boba to never see the Pike Syndicate again. No, 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 no. Uh, I definitely think so... Uh, yeah, I love. So I feel like this episode uh, was one of the most Star Wars things I've ever seen. Like, you really get to see a lot of the universe and the culture. And he goes to. I like it when they go to the spaceports and they talk to the guys. And like, he has to board a plane. And I, I really thought <laughs> yeah. they were gonna fuck with him when he gave up his weapons, but they didn't. Uh, and it was just really cool to see. I don't know, it was good world building. Um, he went to a halo ring. Yeah, he went. He went to that one place that was like straight up like a, a halo ring. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I didn't even think about right, that. I, saw I, it, but I didn't realize that. that. Yeah, no, loves, that's a good call. Drew loves that he went to a halo. Uh, it gave me real Citadel vibes from Mass Effect. Uh huh. I could see that. Um, but of course, I'm a big Mass Effect fanboy. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree, Jahan, though. The boarding the plane was cool. Uh, Him checking all of his weapons. I was actually like, I had that sinking feeling that some of his weapons were going to be missing. And I was like, really? We're going to do this whole story arc? Me too. I was kind of upset about it. Uh, But when he opened it and his stuff was there, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, we don't have to do the thing. (laughs) I was so happy. Yeah, Yeah, it kind (laughs) of set up that feeling of dread. Like, oh, no. And then it's just, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. And that's such a like, I don't know, man. It's it's just kind of like a lame story to like go track down your weapons again. Like mm-hmm. I've already seen Mandalorians tracking down Mandalorian armor and weapons mm. for like two seasons. Welcome uh, to every Metroid video game. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Of all of your weapons and gadgets and the whole game is you just collecting them back until you're fully armed again. Not to, to get on a tangent, but that's why uh, dread is really cool. Cause dread you're trying to hash together upgrades so that you can actually defeat these uh experimental enemies but not to get off point uh but you that is a good point because you are just trying to collect your shit and everything i liked all the different types of aliens i liked Mm. that it opened straight up with like the pit bull dog type of alien folk um we we've played star wars based tabletop role-playing game before on the channel and it's always really fun for me to look at 
the the races in the background, right? Yeah. All the species and all the creatures they don't use because I always want to role play those things. Like I want to bring them to the forefront. And Star Wars like has so much. They of do. That. I feel like uh, we definitely saw some new species, uh, which is always exciting. I think the one that paid him for the bounty in the beginning was a never-before-seen species of alien. I could be wrong. You have that big, like, parrot-faced squid thing. I can't... Maybe they've been there. Maybe they've been those background characters that they moved to the forefront, like you're saying. they have. It's entirely possible. Uh, Don't come Um, at me on Twitter. Or do. I don't care. It's good for my interaction either way. There was a particular part that was nothing even impressive. But for whatever reason, it stuck out in my head. Whenever he was going down to the underbelly of the ship, there's a part where he's like in a warehouse and then a ship flies over the warehouse. And there's like a slit where you can see the ship fly over. And it has nothing to do with what he's doing. But just that kind of attention to detail yeah, in the background is what really brings Star Wars to life. And it just really brought me into the scene that, like, <laughs> of course a ship flew by. You He's want, in a fucking space station. You want to talk about detail? I saw somebody do one of those deep dives or whatever for Easter eggs. And uh, when he's test driving his spaceship, he's going through the canyon uh, where Anakin's pod racing in episode one. Yeah. And mm-hmm. one of the and there's the ramp that he breaks through the boundary and goes mm-hmm. up the the broken boundaries there on the ground still. When <laughs> we were watching that, Annie and I, I was like, "Oh my god, this is fucking Beggars Canyon!" And I was like, "I've fucking driven Beggars Canyon so many times. I've like flown through Beggars Canyon in like the little training craft, uh, like the the Luke's training before he ever picked up an X-wing." Uh, I've gone through Beggar's Run in the Millennium Falcon. I've gone through an X-Wings. I've gone through in a Pod Racer. I love Beggar's Canyon. It's uh, pretty iconic. It's, it's a I good was, one. A yeah, good one. I was super happy to see that. Well, and and that so that you know the whole latter half of the episode all took place in Tatooine, mostly in that little spaceport where he's working on the ship. And we got a ton of episode one references and mm-hmm. throughout that scene. And I think that it's really fascinating. And I really like this, by the way. Like. Gary and I have both been on record before, maybe not on the podcast, but we've definitely talked about it before. As much uh, grief as people give the prequel trilogy, um, especially episode one, of course, gets a lot of hate from Star Wars fans. I think episode one is the best of the prequels. And and I know that's like probably a hot take. I think that it is not as hot a take as you, you might think, I feel. I used to think that episode three was the best of the prequels. And then it went and it went three, one, two. And I've realized now that it actually goes one, two, three. And that three is actually the worst of them in my adult life rewatching them. Anyway, not to get into rankings of those. I'm just saying I like Phantom Menace. I like a lot of stuff in the Phantom Menace, despite how much you can make fun of it all. There's a lot in that. I mean, you're not wrong. There's a lot of shit to hate in that movie. Uh, you know, they get really kitty. The Gungans are a mess. Uh, Jar Jar is annoying. Whatever. Uh, but there's a lot of cool stuff. Gungans are kind of cool, in theory. Uh, Darth Maul is fire. Qui-Gon Jinn is Qui-Gon Jinn is one of the coolest on-screen Jedi. Racing is amazing, too. I will yeah, stand by. Uh, I'll stand by the fact that they they were able to introduce C three PO and R two D two to the series um, without totally shitting on their origin or ruining it. 
So for all the things that movie gets hate for, they didn't ruin the, the concept of two of the world's favorite characters. Um, you know, they just added some stupid shit in. Like Jahan said, it was mostly additions of stupid shit that made that movie, that made episode one have dumb parts. But I love the fan service we saw in Boba. I, I love mm -hmm. the Naboo starfighters because to me, those have always been a uh, really obvious uh, base of where the X-Wing design came from. They're almost based exactly on those Naboo starfighters. Uh, you just take those twin pot engines and, uh, <laughs> and move them to the back. So uh, I, I love the ships, love the episode, love the fan service. Yeah. I, I like the, the pit droids from... Uh, well, she's been using the pit droids, his mechanic, and the Mandalorian's mechanic. But I love those particular pit droids. The, the... With the legs? Yeah. That's the, the, the one, guys with, the one with in the Fallen legs Order. It's uh, where you press their nose and they... He's talking about the ones from episode one that you touch their nose and they fold up into the little thing. But yeah, oh, the BD, those ones. The BD droid from Jedi Fallen Order is, is in it too, which I don't know if it's the same one from the game. I don't think the it, exact, it could or just be. the same model. But, I but like, that droid has uh, only been seen in that game before. Yeah, so yes. that was just a cool nod. Um, yeah, and, and what I was going to say earlier, talking about the prequels, is that when you got the episodes 7, 8, and 9, you know, you get a lot of things paying homage to the original trilogy, but not as much to the prequels, because those are, you know, generally looked down upon by hardcore Star Wars fans. And I like the fact that the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett haven't been afraid to bring back some fan service or, you know, bring back some nostalgia for the, for the prequel trilogy. And, and even the whole scene of him driving the, the, you know, driving, flying the Naboo starfighter that was very reminiscent of the pod racing race from episode one. I loved that. Like I I'm all for it. I was thinking whenever he was opening it up across Tatooine, he might fly over a pod race or someone out in a pod, mm -hmm. uh, no such luck yet, but I still don't think that pod racing is out of the question. I still think we could see it, it literally any episode. It seems like they're building up to it, maybe. Well, that'd be a really cool thing to happen. Maybe that's something Boba Fett uh, gets goes to. Uh, so this. we saw in episode one that Jabba, the Hutt family, ran yeah. the pod racing on Tatooine. Mm -hmm. So it would stand to reason that Boba Fett has inherited that. Um, Potentially, yeah. if pod racing is still around and we saw the pod speeder in Mandalorian season two. So we know that pods are still somewhat around. We know the engines oh, are still right. around. I totally forgot about that. That's right. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just every, you know, I'm not holding my breath or anything, but I won't be surprised the week that it happens. The week that I see my pod, I'll just be nerding out here. I like that his mechanic got hit on by a Jawa. Uh, that was funny. Oh, did you see the the, the Jawas? So I I'm a fat nerd, and mm -hmm. I read some books a long time ago that said that Jawas are rodent like creatures, mm -hmm. um, but they've never been revealed on screen, and they always have covered faces and little gloves. But this is the first time. So I've always known. I've always known they're little hairy desert rats in my mind of minds. So finally, we got confirmation they are in fact hairy little desert guys. Uh, we don't know that they're rodents anymore, but we do know they're really fuzzy for sure. So <laughs> we're stepping towards that old lore <laughs> that I used to know. That's funny. Uh, yeah. So this episode, I don't know. It was fantastic. Uh, the Mandalorian, man, like the last episode of the Mandalorian was some of the best television I've seen. And like, it like continued it. I don't know. Uh, also, we keep talking about fan service. This is how fan service is done, right? 
uh, I feel like a lot of people need to take notes uh, that they're using it to add. They're not substituting content and story for fan service. They're it, it's they're building. You know, they're they're t- they're giving. They're not taking away, and that's an important distinction. Uh, I can feel your disdain for Ghostbusters from the screen. <laughs> I was about I to say it. the words Ghostbusters. <laughs> I, can, I was about I to say totally writers of Ghostbusters Afterlife fucking take notes because this is how you actually do fan service. Do uh, you guys feel like writing the last half of the movie? Nah. <laughs> I would I would just say if I had to criticize it at all, it wouldn't necessarily be for anything specific in the episode, but just what the episode is as, as a whole. And yeah. and because I think that the Book of Boba Fett, while I've enjoyed the first four episodes or whatever leading up to this, for the most part, um, I feel like it's been overall, you know, weaker than the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. Mm. Not saying it's bad. I've been I've been liking it just fine, but I think it's been weaker than the Mandalorian. And then all of a sudden to shift to an episode that is all about the Mandalorian while exciting because it was exciting. Yeah. And, and, and I thought it was hot fire, as Jafon, as John would say. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that it almost like points out how how weak the first few episodes have been by comparison, because while Boba Fett's been fine and, you know, I'm I'm somewhat invested in his storyline. Like I said, as soon as Mandalorian shows up, I'm like, okay, I'm all in on this. And I haven't felt that way on some of the Boba Fett stuff leading up to it. There've been cool things. I think it's just by comparison. It just, it just shows maybe, Oh, Ronda Rousey's entering in the Royal Rumble at number 28. So there, there you go. Um, I agree. But I also think that I I said it earlier. I think that Din, Jin Djarin is just a much more compelling character. He's a lot more fun to watch in fact, he might be my favorite Star Wars character now, where I think a lot of people growing up loved Boba Fett because of the cool outfit and the mystery. Well, in Book of Boba, he doesn't really wear the cool outfit and there's not a whole lot of mystery. But Jin Djarin wears the cool outfit and has a lot of mystery. So uh, he's just a really cool, compelling character. So, of course, I was super interested in that story. Plus, I'm always ready for more uh, Mandalorian, right? So, yeah, give me a scoop of Mandalorian in the middle of my Boba. No complaints. Mandalorian is kind of like a retcon of Boba Fett anyways. <laughs> like, Boba Fett was just a character that looked cool 40 years ago that people hung on to because he had an action figure sure. and it looked cool and he was, you know, mysterious. But then he had a silly death at the end of Return of the Jedi. And there have been so many books and fan fiction to fill in what's happened to Boba Fett or what, you know, who he was and so on. And then he got a backstory in episode two that maybe was or wasn't what people wanted. And so now they found a way to run with that and insert him into the Mandalorian, who is a character with, with a mysterious backstory, who is kind of what we always wanted Boba Fett to be. Hmm. So now if you have to choose Mandalorian or Boba Fett, even as a longtime Star Wars fan, like I'm taking Mandalorian over Boba Fett. any day. I mean, mm-hmm. that's because you're sane. Uh, <laughs> But so to defend the Boba Fett, Fett love from a character that was on screen like twice, uh, like 30 years ago and, you know, didn't have a lot of growth and died a stupid death. Um, his character design itself and what he was doing specifically, like he was the fucking intergalactic bounty hunter. That shit was sick as fuck. 
period. And his design is flawless. The toys are fire. Like, I get it. You know what I mean? Boba Fett is awesome. My backpack's got jets. I'm Boba the Fett. Like, that's that's a banger. And we wouldn't have that without Boba Fett. So, uh, appreciate you. I don't know. I, I love Boba Fett. Mandalorian, though, yeah. It, it's hard to argue. He's so good. And uh, Pedro Pascal does such a great job. Uh, I love all the Game of Thrones jokes about how now he never takes the helmet off. Uh, it's pretty funny. And I think we'll be able to talk more about all of this because um, actually, you know, we'll be recording uh, episode 30 and also episode 31 tonight. So by the time that we're recording again, the Book of Boba Fett will have ended. So I think that's it'll be worth pointing out you know when we come back to discuss this we'll we'll be able to talk about it all in full and see see how it's impacted the rest of the season and, and where it goes um the other thing i was gonna say you know Jahan, you were talking at the beginning about bryce dallas howard and directing it and how mm, she's really good. she spoiled the show for you but she's been great and i was just looking because i knew that she had directed a couple episodes from um the Mandalorian. She directed specifically episode four of season one, which that was the one um, that featured like the the town that was attacked by the ATST walker. Mm-hmm. If you remember, mm-hmm. like pretty cool Star Wars in general. And then she also directed episode three of season two, which was the one that introduced Bo Katan and uh her squad which was another good episode Jeez. so it's just like obviously bryce dallas really good ones yeah obviously she's got a knack for star wars like no. she knows stuff she must you know be a fan herself i heard you know ron howard famously stepped in to direct solo so her dad has history with star wars as yeah. well and uh i mean i think that between this episode of Boba Fett and the two episodes she's directed before, I mean, give Bryce Dallas yeah. Howard a Star Wars movie. Like, I feel like oh she's proven God, her. I would watch let, that. Yeah. Let her direct mm-hmm. a Star Wars movie. So, it can be an original story, whatever she wants. Just give her a movie. You've given me a couple of things to talk about. First off, uh, her, it wasn't her TikTok that spoiled. It was some dick face. <laughs> I wasn't watching it. It was some, like, nobody dick face ruined it for me. Fuck you, guy. Uh, I, I didn't even bother learning your name because you're nothing. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, so about the the ATST, right? Uh, an episode where an ATST brings a town to its knees, right? That that was the gist of it. So mm-hmm. as a writer, as someone that runs uh, three fucking tabletop games a week, uh, as someone who's always having to write and write and write a lot, I do it a lot. Uh, man, it's so hard to get like here uh my hands up above my head for those of you not looking at me uh it's it's hard to obtain that level of like epicness of danger uh without like you know like oh there's a whole you know imperial you know here's moth gideon with a uh, uh, 30 legions you know what i mean it was one thing from the lore that became this story uh and it just it takes that takes a lot uh, I, I'll say that that one, that tidbit right there is uh, a window into uh, an, an amazing writing and directorship there. Uh, I like whenever uh, Star Wars fixes some of their old stupid lore. 
Uh, there's some things that are like I say that I'm sure there is some gatekeeping old fans who'd be pissed off. Oh, you can't change the lore, but I'm happy when they fix dumb things. Uh, one one of which was that only Jedi can wield a, a lightsaber. It's dumb. Um, and like you know, I think Han Solo is it Han Solo uses one once to cut something open. Uh, but like you can do that, right? You can barely use it as a tool, but you can't wield one as a weapon. Um, so letting seeing. Jin Djarin wield the dark saber, um, which at first you're kind of like, is that a sword or a lightsaber? And now we have confirmation it was made by a Mandalorian Jedi. It's a fucking lightsaber. Uh, <laughs> that's all we needed to hear. It's cool as hell. I love the dark saber, and I like dark them. Ret- awesome. I love them retconning the rule of like only a Jedi can use a lightsaber. Like I, unless Jin Djarin you know, is force sensitive. You know why that's bullshit. You know why it's bullshit. All. Are connected to the force. All, all life is connected to the force. That's that's why that's bullshit. Everyone has it. I guess it's maybe you everyone. just have to you just have to have enough midi chlorians to use Bro. a fucking lightsaber. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that, hey, and that we've come full circle. That's why the prequels are fucking stupid. <laughs> that one thing because midi chlorians are water bears. Yeah, fuck it. How many tardigrades you got, bro? Cool, you can <laughs> you lift know, a tank. <laughs> sometimes you don't have to give an explanation to things, guys. Exactly! You know, for every writer out there that wants to write a prequel to something, like, you know, sometimes you can just let something be shrouded in mystery. No way, we need to explain the magic, Drew. It comes so, from a well. So there's a rule in writing when it comes to the powers and magic, and the rule is the the more you describe how that magic or power works, the more you can use it as a problem-solving tool uh, narratively. And I just feel like it was better when you used it sometimes and it was more mysterious and it was like this actual like Buddhist-style uh, religion of you know, peace and, you know, all life is sacred kind of thing. I feel like that kind of power uh, was way cooler. I disagree. I'm really a big fan of the magic tardigrade. <laughs> Maybe in the uh, Fantastic Beasts movie series, that's like the Harry Potter prequel kind of stuff going on. Maybe they'll explain that they have midichlorians in their blood oh that my god wizards wizards and witches witches and then we can find out that star wars and harry potter are in the same universe and eventually have a crossover you and then should. imagine the fandoms then dc collide. oh man dc should hire go. you drew dc you needs your kind of brain wait what what he's i missed it what do you say this would be the best crossover since the jetsons meet the flintstones oh my god he said they should do a uh, they should do a full Harry Potter Star Wars crossover <laughs> and introduce midi chlorians in the Fantastic Beasts prequel. Uh, and I said that they should hire him for the DCU they, they because that, that's the kind of shit they need. They once again, once again proving how good we are at podcasting is yeah. Jahan just outright Jahan's doesn't listen to my wonderful ideas. I'm sorry, I was looking at a thing and then oh my bad, it's my fault. That's no, I'm, I'm just I'm giving you a hard time. I think that that pretty much wraps up our Boba Fett Mandalorian discussion, would you say? I have Anything nine else more to add on the say. topic? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, we didn't talk a lot about the fourth episode. I don't think we ever got to that one on a podcast. Um, that one had Boba Fett in it. it and I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I liked... 
I, they're the only thing to remind I, me of what even happened in that episode. I'm so I'm so far removed from it now. I I fucking forgot, but <laughs> I it's remember I liked it. It's where they had that speeder chase down the street with the mayor's. Was assistant. that the one? Okay. Yeah. There was uh, one since then. No, there was one since then. Uh, oh, well, maybe I'm wrong. I think so. Hey, it doesn't matter. So, uh, the one thing I wanted to say about the Book of Boba Fett is they somehow introduced a Wookiee. Uh, actually, I think he's in one of the other, like, he's from, uh, he's from the comic books, actually. Okay, yeah, that's right. I knew I heard he's from the extended lore. But so, anyways, they brought, like, a far-reach extended lore. Him getting his shit back. That was the fourth one. That's right. That was actually sick as fuck. I forgot about that. I like pretty funny when they got stuck in the Sarlacc pit and she dropped the mines and he was like, Don't touch my ship. <laughs> He's like, next time don't do that. She literally saved their lives by unbuckling yeah. her seatbelt and hitting the, the landmine button. Yeah. I wanna I wanna get hopefully move on from all this soon, but it, you did just remind me of a question because they went to the Sarlacc pit to get his armor back. But right. didn't we clearly see in the first episode him cl- climb out wearing his armor and pass out and then Jawas took the armor off of him? Yeah. Yes. He didn't get his armor back uh, in that episode where he... They went to the Snarlike pit. His armor was not there. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, why did he think his armor was still in the Sarlacc pit? Because he you, didn't remember... Did he remember that he climbed out wearing it? No, he didn't remember getting knocked out. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He got hit in the head, like, man. He was pretty delirious when he crawled out, too. Yeah, he was, like, low on oxygen, and then he got knocked out by a Jawa. Like, uh, fighting for days in the bottom of a Sarlacc pit covered in acid. I'll, no. I'll let him be exhausted. No, I let, I let that one where roll. the armor's at. But I actually really did, like, uh, episode four. I did for... It has been a little while since I saw it. Uh, but I liked the, the invasion of the base and, like, the fight where Fennec's, like, guarding the back while he's, like, trying to fly. I don't know. That was cool. Uh, well, but, to, uh, to yeah. round up this discussion, I will say um that ronda rousey has won the 2022 uh, wwe women's royal rumble so Aww. there you go i don't know how what i feel timing? about that perfect timing i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> well so, after uh, book of boba have you guys been uh, keeping up with any other shows that are coming out right now nope yeah so let's get to our <laughs> our takes for the week <laughs> because I, I I will say, I know that y'all are going to talk a little bit about Peacemaker. I actually haven't watched the most recent episode I've seen. Wow. All of them except for the one that came out two days ago. Um, but I, w- I do just want to mention, because I talked about this uh, an episode or two ago. I finished the show Yellow Jackets um, that's on Showtime. Right. I watched all, all 10 of them and uh, I really liked it. And after watching all 10, I give it a strong recommendation um i thought it was killer i I, this is on on showtime um which i know maybe not as many people subscribe to as you know netflix or things like that but you know hop on apple tv or something i think you can get like a a two-week free trial of showtime or something watch the show bench the show Uh, i think it's really good um it's the one that i mentioned about a uh high school soccer team in the 90s that they get lost in the the canadian wilderness and it flashes forward in time so you see some of them as adults and those that who survived and so on and so forth and uh yeah i think that the first season i'll just say this for anybody because i've i've kind of compared it to having a little bit of lost essence to it, it sounds a but i'll like say lost, that yeah. the first season does a great job of answering a lot of the questions that that it set up, but also leaving some open ended to really make you look forward to a future season. 
So that's the one that you were talking about uh, that has cannibalistic themes, right? Potentially. (laughs) I mean, that's the only thing I remember about Yellow Jackets. Yeah, and it's got um, it's got you know some people in it. Uh, Let's see, Christina Ricci's in it. Uh, There had to be people in it. Yeah, or else. Uh, Well, I was gonna (laughs) say people that are uh, that have. That have names that you might recognize. Oh shit! People with names, damn, Drew. <laughs> uh, Christina Ricci, do, do they have uh, telephones? Juliette Lewis and Melanie Linsky are in it, and they're and they're all really good. So anyway, I recommend Yellow Jacket. Give it a watch. I feel like um, it's it does like if you're on film Twitter or you know on the social medias, there's been some buzz around it, but maybe not as much as there should be because I think just, just not as many people have access to Showtime yeah. and. Uh, this one's worth, you know, at least, you know, trying to grab a free trial or something yeah. to watch it, if not paying for a month. So the last time when you were talking about this, I said I was going to watch it. I haven't had time. I started a new job and I've just been busy and I really, I actually really, this sounds exactly like what I want to watch. This is perfect for me as a person. And then I want to hear what y'all thought of the newest Peacemaker, but don't spoil me on it yet. Um... You know, we did talk about Peacemaker, I think, in depth uh, after the first three episodes. But how has it been? um, Better. It continues to get better. Uh, I I thought that this show would kind of be funny. I thought it was going to be a funny show and maybe even a funny, stupid show. Um, Sort of like, I don't know, like maybe along the lines of like a superhero always sunny in Philadelphia is kind of what I thought I was going to get. But... But Peacemaker's really good, and they're doing a lot of character development with Chris, Peacemaker's real name, and trying to humanize him and make him less of a piece of shit. Um, They're still moving that direction. It's still really good. More, uh, I I love Economos, uh, you know, die beard. And so they they build more (laughs) on Economos and Peacemaker's relationship. In a very good way. Uh, I love Vigilante, man. Can't get enough Vigilante. I am upset. I'm like deep down in my soul, my heart. Uh, I'm. I feel like I can't cope with Peacemaker coming to an end. Uh, when the season's over, I don't know what I'm gonna do for a whole year. I That's would fair. watch. It's. I would watch Peacemaker twelve months out of the year. Peacemaker, yeah, no, that's a strong opinion there. Uh, yeah, absolutely, certified fresh. Let's get that shit out the way. Uh, you watch this show, or you're crazy. This show, I think, I actually just recommended it to my mom, and she's like, "What's that superhero show?" And she's gonna try and watch this right now. Uh, Love that Jahan's mom is like a consistent character in the podcast of like w- watching the shows Jahan mm-hmm. recommends. I watch it with my mom. My mother. Peacemaker. Peacemaker is definitely not on, uh, uh, would not be Bro. to my mother's table. So <laughs> I love that mom would watch Peacemaker. Now, during, so during the pandemic, uh, me and my mom actually got really close and watched a lot of shows together. And she kind of like pulled on my taste a bit here and like would just, she started liking stuff that I liked. And she even has gone as far. She's currently watching Attack on Titan, the anime. And she's like, yeah, I prefer it in Japanese. I'm like, what the fuck, mom? Uh, <laughs> and so it's just crazy. Uh, but yeah, she, your mom's she'll becoming like a total weeb. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. amazed by this. My mom's becoming like, a weeb. Uh, my dad likes a lot of these shows too. He watches all the Marvel stuff, and he loved The Boys. I've never seen my dad laugh harder in his entire life 
my dad loved that shit. He'd probably love this. But so I don't think we actually got to talk about the fourth episode, which you have seen, Drew. I have seen the fourth episode. The fourth of episode. <laughs> but like Boba Fett, I have to be kind of reminded of what oh, happened. Oh, yeah. No, there. I have the. I brought, I brought up the thing. It's so funny. You remember it, when we were talking about the the fourth Boba, I remembered at the end they played the Mandalorian theme, right? Uh, and then yeah. I also remember at the end of the, the fourth episode, uh, you know, the, the kind of big reveals you get in, in Peacemaker. And dare I say the reveal at the end of the fifth episode is quite the one, Drew. It's quite a good one. The end of the fifth episode is fire. Uh, when you're scrolling through these synopses, Drew, make sure you don't scroll too far down. Because mm-hmm. it's right there, and there's some spoilage there. We're not going to get into be, it. I am looking at the fourth one, and I remember this now. Yeah, I know I this you. is where you find out he still has the the butterfly alive um, that he took, and in the jar. Um, yeah. it, is this the one where where <laughs> vigilante tried to go got in himself jail. arrested? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. that was good. So I this episode is called The Chode Less Traveled. Fantastic. <laughs> Chef's it. Kiss. Excellent. All the names are such fucking junior high bullshit names, yes. too. Uh, they're all uh, so good. James Gunn is truly a legend amongst men. James Gunn has a special talent for bringing us juvenile humor at an adult level and excellent music. Couldn't have put it better. Wonderfully yeah. said, Jahan. I definitely can say the word showed was in mine and Gary's and our group of friends back in, you know, middle yeah. school. Definitely in our rotation of words and insults we fucking use word. commonly. It has been kind of lost, and uh, thank you, James Gunn, for bringing it back. James Gunn, bringing back the shows. Uh But yeah, in this episode, um, so at the end of episode three, right, you know, they take out the family, um, and Diebeard uh, knocks out Shudo Master by hitting him in the head with a tire iron and a truck. Over and over uh, and over. I thought they killed him, but apparently, I think Judo Master is going to be, like, just unfucking killable because in this episode, he, he takes one to the chest, and then he's on the couch with, like, an IV and stuff. But, um, oh yeah, spoilers for <laughs> and the Peacemaker episode 4. Economos wasn't just hitting him with the tire iron. He was, like, blasting him in the back of the fucking head over and over Dude, while he was yeah. already on the ground. He was wearing a like, helmet. It's, it's, like, the worst place you could hit somebody with a tire iron. He was wearing a helmet. I don't know the extent of his, if he has any powers. Uh, but this episode was great, man. It was hilarious. I loved the, uh, the Judo Master Escape. I loved, uh, when... Vigilante was in the jail talking shit to white supremacists. Oh I, I can watch that all day. I can watch white supremacists get beat up all day, every day, forever. The uh, stuff that Vigilante was saying was so, so fucking good. funny. So good. I, so I actually hadn't seen Vigilante in anything before that actor. I don't know him from anything, but he's from stuff. He has a small part, I know, in the Harry Potter movies, in the latter ones. (laughs) And uh, I think I saw that he was in Pitch Perfect. Mm. Yes, he was. Uh, He was supposed to be someone else, too. He was, uh, somebody dropped out, and he took their spot. I don't remember who. You know what? He totally gives me a kick-ass vibe. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the kick-ass movies. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. of course we do. They're fantastic. Well, Vigilante is very kick-ass reminiscent, actually. No, that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah. 
the reason I had to phrase it that way is Jahan is because anybody listening just heard it reminds me of Kick Ass and they may not know what the fuck. That oh, that's means. fair. <laughs> For so, the audience yeah, benefit, Vigilante, yes. Uh, Vigilante seems like he was yanked out of the tick and yanked out of Kick Ass and smashed together. And I love both of those things. Uh, it's just Peacemaker, such a fun show. It's my favorite thing I'm watching. Bro, I I didn't realize how badly I missed the tick. Like the fact that they're giving me the tick. It makes me so fucking happy, man. It's- James Gunn needs to do the tick. They need to. <laughs> Disney needs to pay him Hulu money to do the tick on Hulu. Yeah, Dave, James Gunn needs to fix DC. That's what James Gunn needs to do. Because I, I don't know if he could, because his niche is very specific. You know, it's taking these obscure characters and making them everything, uh, which is. It could help build a foundation for DC to not be a huge piece of shit, but who knows? I will, uh, in in an alternate universe, there's James Gunn making the new X Men movies, and that's the universe <laughs> I want to live in. <laughs> who would be the main characters of that? I don't give a shit. Let's see, uh, Jubilee. The most obscure X Men characters you can think of. Dupe. Dupe. Uh, <laughs> Maggot. Puck. Puck. Yeah, Maggot would be Puck one for sure. Uh, dude, Maggot would be so good. All right, all right, we could do this all day, also. But James Gunn, want right? <laughs> this James Gunn, uh, certified fresh out the box. Absolutely. James Gunn's the man. Oh, um, watched the newest Peacemaker. I just it just dropped on Thursday, and I honestly um, haven't had much chance since. It's all good, man. We all have day jobs now, and fucking Jesus, like also um, on HBO Max. If you guys don't mind, I've been watching another show on HBO Max. Um, Righteous um, Gemstones. Oh, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. So I, I had a little bit to say about episode five without spoilers. Okay. Uh, because So we've seen John Cena in a lot of shit, right? Like a lot and, of stuff. And John Cena, just let me interject. We always thought The Rock mm. was going to be the funny one, right? Growing up, The Rock mm. was hilarious in wrestling, and John Cena was kind of a, a fucking robot, kind of a, yeah. a muscly robot who wasn't that funny. But on screen... Ever since John Cena was on that Saturday Night Live episode where he talks about bananas, uh, <laughs> that was so fucking funny that I knew John Cena's comedy chops. He's got it. And in The Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad, if you will, he was so fucking funny. And in Peacemaker, he mm. is just so fucking funny. He's so Damn, funny. John Cena's funny. Yeah, I, go ahead. exactly what I want to talk about. John Cena <laughs> is hilarious. So I've seen him a lot of stuff. He's been in, what, like the Marine. Uh, that's the only one I can think of right now. But he's been in a lot <laughs> of stuff. 12 rounds. 12 rounds. Yeah, that's there you go. 12 rounds. I was actually thinking 12 rounds. He did a bunch of in, WWE movies, and he's yes, kind of He was in Trainwreck, that Amy Schumer movie. <laughs> Trainwreck was kind of the one that really started his post-WWE mm. movie career that's like not... You know, all the because he did that and he did blockers and he did he did do a kid's movie where he was a firefighter or something yeah. like that. I can't even remember. Fair what it's enough. Called. I can't hate a guy uh, for doing a kid's movie, uh, especially not did, one of the most requested uh, make a wish actors ever. Uh, the he, most right. Isn't he? Number he might one? be the most. Uh, yeah, you can't fault him for doing a kid's movie. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's fulfilled done? more make a wishes than anyone else. That's. So by like almost double. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. He, he's a lot. It's John Cena is uh, a king among men for sure. He's a great guy. Uh, I hope. I hope he's actually as great as he seems. But so I think it started in episode four. 
because uh, like the way episode four ends and it leads into episode five, I'm not going to spoil it for Drew, uh, but it was kind of the first time ever that I didn't see John Cena. Like I, I saw, so I saw the character he was playing. He was the character. He gave me the acting. I wasn't, I was looking at Chris. I was looking at Peacemaker. I just wanted to say, cause that was a big moment for me. I was like, Holy shit. John Cena did it. Like I, no longer saw John Cena. You know, you never can, obviously. Uh, but you know what I mean. Uh, I, just, I think because we've talked so much Peacemaker at this point, not to talk it into the ground, mm-hmm. but I'll just say to echo, you know, or add on to that. I mean, when he was in WWE and he was making some WWE produced movies and he did, you know, the Marine in 12 rounds, he proved he can be like the boring action hero. Those movies, you know, it's John Cena in an action movie that wasn't showing a whole bunch of character. It was, but like, yeah. you know, yeah. So they are what they are. And then now he's definitely found himself doing a lot of comedies, especially raunchy comedies, you know, with, um, things like train wreck and, and blockers, um, that I think he was trying to break his, the mold that he was in, you know, that he really was, uh, stereotyped as mm. from WWE. And then he did, um, F9, you know, for the Fast and the Furious, where he played a villain, I think, proving that he could be the heel, because that was always a thing in WWE's people were wondering, would he ever turn heel? Because he was always the good guy. And yeah. He played a bad guy in that. And uh, and now here he is in 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 uh, the Suicide Squad, you know, in a big another big blockbuster uh, playing like a, you know, an antihero, <laughs> a bad guy, but, mm. you know. Uh, proving he can be funny and do action and now peacemaker the series i think this is really i think we're all kind of sold on cena now as cena the actor like yeah, yes put him put him in more stuff let him do do action let him do whatever it kind of is like what happened with chris hemsworth right you know in thor we thought he was just gonna be like the boring norse god Mm. and then then all of a sudden you have taika waititi at the helm of a Thor movie and you realize like man Chris Hemsworth is actually pretty funny and now he now he's one of those guys that can do action and do throw some comedy in there and Cena can kind of do that too he just has his weird kind of wrestler bulky frame still Cena's also uh, he's getting old so I think that uh, you know, <clears throat> Schwarzenegger still did movies and stuff, right? Up until still now and Stallone. But Cena, this might be his big role. Peacemaker might be John Cena's big career role. He's already, um, what is he, pushing 50? Was he 46 now, 47? Now they got to put him in Rambo 8, Second Blood. Again, yeah, is. Cena is 44 years be in old. That still. Cena's 44. Okay, so, you know, he's probably got 10 more years of being, like, a, a badass action star, right? And then he'll start to be an old action star. So he may still have some good roles under him, but I really do think that Peacemaker is going to be one of his uh, career um, kind of standout moments. Yeah. I really do think it's that good, and I think his performance in it is that good. I think if you swapped out John Cena for somebody else, the show wouldn't be as funny. I think he makes it as good as it is. You heard it here, folks. Time's coming for us all. You better watch out, because we're all going to die. Yeah, if John Cena can die, you know you can die, too. (laughs) 
Oh boy. So, um, okay, we'll tra- to transition from that. Gary, tell me about uh, Righteous Gemstones. You started to mention it earlier, yeah. so let's get into some other stuff we've been watching. Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm a big fan of Righteous Gemstones. I-, I love the first season. I'm loving the second season, which introduces uh, a different kind of uh, story, a different kind of plot. The first one's really uh, driven by Danny McBride's bad uh, sexual exploitations and drug use, uh, and it's kind of built around you know this fuck up son of this giant rich mega church and how they have to cover up his bullshit and he tries to take it into his own hands and danny mcbride is an idiot asshole as usual uh the second season is more uh of a murder mystery so there was a a detective or investigator in town um like a media investigator who supposedly had some dirt on the family and he wound up dead and it was the, the, of course, the idiot gemstone kids this time who come across the body. So it wasn't Danny McBride who fucked up, but it looks like it was Danny McBride who fucked up because they came up on the murder scene. Uh, and so it's kind of a who done it, and it's kind of a fingers pointing type of thing. And they bring back some old characters from season one that um, you almost assuredly wanted to see again. Whether or not you needed to see that character remains to be seen. It was almost a fan service type of thing. Uh, and it's Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins was in the first season. He was hilarious. He hasn't really been in the second season. Uh, he probably just popped up for this one episode and he's gone <laughs> again. But it was great to see him uh, bring back his role as Baby Billy Freeman. Um, the whole show is very dumb and very stupid. I can't recommend it enough. Um, even uh, and I initially I wouldn't say to any of my Christian friends I would say ignore this show. Uh, if you like church and you respect church and religion. Uh, this show shits all over mega churches. It doesn't shit on Christianity and it doesn't shit on faith. It shits on mega churches. Uh, so if you don't like that type of thing, I think you can still enjoy this show. Uh, Blake and Ben, both of those guys are very Christian and they go to church every Sunday. They play in the bands. They Both of them love Righteous Gemstones because they they can see the comedy in it, right? They know that it's not uh, a direct attack at religion. It's uh, It's... They're joking about these ultra-rich assholes. Eric Andre's in season two. Still loving Eric Andre. Uh, he's, <laughs> he fits in perfectly. Like, if you asked me to write down a list of asshole idiots in Hollywood, I think Eric Andre would make the list. He just always seems like such an asshole idiot. He is such an asshole. So he just fits in so great with Danny McBride, who is most certainly an asshole idiot. Um Looking forward to more Righteous Gemstones. It comes out every Sunday. It's on HBO. And since I'm already watching Peacemaker, um, it's easy for me. Because if I miss an episode, I'm like, oh, that's right, Righteous Gemstones. And so I can watch it before or after. But to be honest, I usually catch it Sunday night or first thing Monday when Annie gets home from work. Um, Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's a weekly show for us. I think it's certified fresh out the box. It's a very funny comedy. and There's not a lot like it. What I've seen of it, I would absolutely say that's correct. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, it, it's what turned me around on Adam Devine. I've tried watching Workaholics. I've always liked Adam Devine. I, I didn't like him in Workaholics. I thought he was just the most annoying character. <laughs> uh, and sometimes it's funny, but annoying isn't funny for long for me. Um, and his then, his shtick can be funny at times, but I can totally, you know, if it, when overdone, it's it's too much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then after Workaholics, there was Adam Devine's house party. It was like a stand-up comedy, Comedy Central show he had. And he was the same in that. It was like sort of bits in between where comedians would do stand-up. But 
in between, it would be a really uncomfortable planned scene with Adam Devine where he was just kind of being a stupid fucking Adam Devine. But in this one, with him, <laughs> his silly Arkansas type of Southern draw and talking about his daddy all the time and how his daddy's so great and daddy will do this for me. And he's just uh, like over the top closeted homosexual. But, uh, you know, since he works, uh, since his dad's in charge of the church, he's very closeted about it. So his character is just hilarious. Uh, and, and I just can't get enough Adam Devine, which, you know, a few years ago, I never thought I would say uh, it totally turned me around on him and Danny McBride. Love them both so I much. Love them both too. And yeah, Eric Andre, last thing I remember seeing uh, him, I think he was on the Jesselnik Offensive. Uh, and, and, and he he whipped his dick out to the crowd because someone like dared him to do it, and so I think that might have something to do with why that show got canceled. I think you're actually right. I think that's exactly why it got canceled. I think he got Anthony <laughs> So yeah, that guy definitely makes the list of uh, Hollywood assholes. Um, Gary, anything else you've been watching that you want to mention? That is all I've got. Um, other than that, I've just been watching Peacemaker and Book of Boba, which we already talked about. Uh, those shows, you have three shows been taking up all my time. I think that's fair, though. Yeah, I've I've got a couple things to mention, which actually it's a couple rewatches. Um, you know, uh, when No Time to Die, the newest James Bond movie, came mm. out um, back in October, I talked about it then. And uh, to summarize my thoughts, if I remember correctly, you know, I was kind of disappointed in it. Like, it was fine, but I think I just had expectations of what I hoped it would be or thought it would be, and it didn't live up to that. And not to say I didn't like it, it's just, you know, I was expecting it to be yeah. kind of the end-all be-all for, for Daniel Craig's James Bond run. Um, I rewatched it... Um, on 4K UHD disc, of course, because I <laughs> have it physically. And uh, I will say I liked it better on a rewatch. So I'm, I'm a little bit higher on it. I still don't think it's the best of the Craig Bond movies, but it is pretty solid. Um, the first, like, two-thirds in particular are, are, are pretty good. Um, when it gets into the third act, which ironically is when you get the most of the Rami Malek villain character, I think is where the movie suffers a bit. Um, but the a lot of the emotional things in the movie that they tried to do worked better on me during a second viewing. So that's that's all I'll say. I don't want to get you know in, in any spoilers yeah. there. I think there's probably still a lot of our audience that haven't seen that movie. I don't think y'all have seen it. Seeing either. movies uh, nowadays is weird. Yeah. Uh, no, I actually did see it, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Uh, and I actually uh, had the opposite experience because I <laughs> was like, oh, this is going to suck. Yeah, whatever. And so I went into it with low expectations and it exceeded them. So uh, the action was dope. Uh, I was disappointed that... It lo uh, the whole thing looks beautiful. The whole like, thing the is a work of art. It looks incredible. Fantastic. It looks great. Absolutely. Cinematography, great. All the all the scenes shot beautifully. It's fantastic. Uh, I was disappointed that uh, Anna Aramis, uh, Anna Darmus. Yeah. yeah, I was. I I knew she was in the movie. She wasn't in enough of it. <laughs> Her scene and the part she's in is one of the best parts of the movie. It is. Well, of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, her in that fucking dress, kicking ass, is fucking dope. Um, but no, I actually really liked the movie. I think I missed, uh, I don't think I saw Spectre. Uh, 
so like the movie still oh, okay. made sense. This one takes a lot from Spectre. It does. Which which is kind of the most hated of the Craig movies in general, which yeah. It's funny because this one builds off so much of the story from that one. I actually, yeah. I actually thought this movie was great. Uh, I, I think it's worth a watch. It was a good action movie. I watched it with my family. We all liked it. It was entertaining. Uh, it is an entertaining action movie. Worth a watch. And it ended... I liked uh, the end. I had no issue with the ending. Whatsoever. The, uh, the other movie that I rewatched recently, and this is because I know I talked a couple <laughs> weeks ago that I was watch, watching through the Scream movies in anticipation of the newest one in theaters that I saw. And uh, in Scream 3 in particular, there is a brief cameo of uh, Jay and Silent Bob are in Scream 3 during a, a, a short, just very quickly, they're doing like a, a Hollywood tour. And uh, that you could, they could be seen in it. And so funny. ever since seeing that scene, I was kind of like, oh, man, I because I knew that there was a Scream reference <laughs> in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So ever since then, I was like, man, I kind of want to rewatch it. And so I finally did. I've seen this movie like a hundred times. Let's be real. But I, <laughs> yeah. but I haven't seen it in a while. And, uh, you know, I watched this probably like... 70 of those hundred times were it were in 2001 when I was, you know, in junior high and probably shouldn't have been watching it and watched it on repeat because my friends and I thought it was the funniest movie ever at that time. And uh, it, it now, was the funniest movie ever at that time. Yeah. And then Step Brothers came out, but for, <laughs> for a moment in time. Ah, man of taste. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but I did rewatch this and uh, first off, Watching it now as an adult, it's like, I can't believe this movie even got made. Like, <laughs> that, that Kevin Smith was able to get all of these people in it. Like, like there are so many famous people in this movie. Yeah. Um, but especially, like, this was Will, Will Ferrell's in it, but it's Will Ferrell, you know, pre-Anchorman and such. So yeah. it's yeah, like... This is actually right as he was a big a big hotshot on this is, SNL. This, this is would prime have been, time Ferrell. Yeah, this would have been one of his first yeah. big Hollywood plant the, fa- plant the flag type of moments. He, he was doing some movies and stuff, but he wasn't like Will Ferrell comedy superstar right. yeah. at the box office like he eventually kind of and became of course he had done like night at the roxbury before that but that's a uh that's a lauren michaels produced movie and and so I, I think he had maybe even a couple more than that that were lauren michaels involved but uh yeah i remember he he was it was great to see him it was great that he had a role yeah please tell me that when you rewatched it you realized how awful he was oh yeah there's some really bad lines <laughs> there's a I, lot like I okay. I love Kevin Smith as as a person. Like he's great. I've seen him live mm-hmm. when he came to Houston a few mm-hmm. years ago. Um, oh, we I were love, trying to go to that. Fuck. I love Clerks. I love Mallrats. Mm-hmm. Mallrats is one of my favorites of his. And uh, I'll say this: Kevin Smith has done amazing things for indie cinema in general. Yes. Um, awesome dude. Great podcaster. We're a podcaster. He's a great podcaster. Um. Just super nerd to the max. I've really liked his his Masters of the Universe stuff that he's doing yes. now. But I'll say this. As great as Kevin Smith can be, as a director, maybe not the best film director of all time. I don't but think you know Kevin Smith would argue with you. I don't I, he definitely exactly, wouldn't argue with you. You were exactly right. 
And uh, watching Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, it's very evident. This is just a movie full of of Easter eggs and fan service for people that have watched his previous movies. There's a lot of there's multiple times in the movie where they make jokes about the fact that this is a movie and they look at the camera, you know, that kind of thing, which some of those asides are kind of cringy. <laughs> See, I have no issue with uh, So I've actually seen this fairly recently, believe it or not. Uh, for shits and giggles. Uh, it was different than I remembered, that's for sure. But it there's was still sure, great. There's for sure some humor that doesn't hold up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That is maybe not not very, you know, sensitive to... to yeah, sure, sure, they actually got in trouble for that when it first came out. No. That's yeah. true. They got sued. Uh, they got sued but, for, yeah. But I do like a lot of the things this movie is doing. One of the things that stuck out the most on this recent rewatch is Chris Rock. When Chris Rock shows up in this movie, dude, he is on another level compared to everybody (laughs) else. You spit in this coffee! (laughs) He is, uh, he probably gave me the most laughs in... He's so good. When um, he's fucking with that uh, intern, does your father know you bring a black man? That shit's so... I cried. Like, even now. Like, I was dying, man. Chris Rock needs to be... I don't know what happened to him, man. He needs to be in stuff that's not grown-ups. Chris Rock's just fucking a, hilarious. Just a quick asterisk on this, Drew. We were just talking about Will Ferrell's career, and it looks like 2001 is when Jane Silent Bob came out, which was a good year for him. He also was Jacob B. Mugatu in Zoolander. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I know the two movies that they say really put him on the map were Old School and Elf, and both of those came out in 2003. So this would have been okay. two years before he was super hot shit. Yeah, I think Elf was the one that was like Will Ferrell leading man. Yeah, you know? and that was the one that made him, I would say, a household name. If you weren't already watching SNL, Elf put him in, in your house. Elf put him there, and then Anchorman solidified it, mm. is what I would what I would say. Uh, yeah, so anyway, so anyway, I, you know, Silent Bob Strike Back. What, what else is there really to say? To bring it full circle about the Scream conversation, I haven't researched this. I haven't looked up. Surely they're, they're both Miramax movies that probably had to be filming at the same time, and that's why there's... Because Wes Craven makes a cameo in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Everybody's in that fucking game. movie, man. Mark Hamill's no, I mean, in that movie. They, just, they had to be like filming next door mm-hmm. to each other on, this, on the studio lot or something. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that's... I that's fucked Jane the pie! Um... But yeah, will always hold a, a special place in my heart. Of and all then, his movies, uh, of all Kevin Smith's movies, you said Mallrats and Clerks? If you had to pick one, what would be your favorite, you think? Oh, for me, it's Mallrats. Mallrats. Yeah, I actually really liked Mallrats, but Clerks has an extended universe, which I like. The The Clerks cartoons, uh, in fact, were really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have not wa- watched... Uh, chasing amy and dogma in a very long time like i I also haven't watched dogma since like almost since it came out um i was looking for when clerks three comes out yeah it's coming out yeah oh yeah it's in pre-production i just found it it's in pre-production as of july 19th 2021 so we're looking at almost uh, i guess six months ago i was gonna say almost a year ago but not quite so I guess if it's in pre-production, we're still looking for maybe a year or two. Yeah. But I'll watch Clerks three. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I definitely I go, will. Uh, Jenny's and I a would huge... go watch them all rats too in a heartbeat. Jenny's a huge fan of Kevin Smith. I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith. Seeing all his stuff, uh, including Tusk. I saw that in theaters. Man, what a movie! Uh, but yeah, Kevin Smith is great. Love to see man. Uh, 
And yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think my favorites are definitely Mallrats, Clerks, and Dogma. Uh, I don't know which one I would pick, uh, actually. I really like Dogma. It's fucking funny. Let's see. I'll, I'll say one other thing. I only have one other thing that I watched uh, that I'm going to talk about this week. And this is part of Drew's Oscar Minute recurring uh, segment. And uh, I watched on Apple TV+. Plus. This, is, this movie is on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, the Tragedy of Macbeth, which is directed by Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers, but just just Joel Cohen, so without Ethan. Um, so that's worth noting. And starring Denzel Washington, um, Francis McDormand is in this as well. And uh, where where are y'all at on Shakespeare? Let me just ask you that. Uh, I know more than you'd expect me to. Uh... Yeah. I, I like you it enjoy specifically, Shakespeare? specifically Shakespeare? M- Macbeth. I actually really like. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shakespeare, a, a lot of my early experience with Shakespeare, obviously school, but then Gargoyles is actually thoroughly steeped in Shakespearean lore. Uh, it's almost entirely Shakespeare. Uh, and so that was a huge thing for me as a kid. I really love Macbeth. Um, I've even gone as far as to attempt to read it. Uh, it's a bit of a, it's, it's, it's hard read. Um, and I love Denzel. So I actually think I might watch this. I love Denzel. Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw Gary was shaking his head. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really respect what Shakespeare did for like theater and writing and stories and his contribution to just live theater and performance. And I think that absolutely it's, you have to know Shakespeare in order to, enjoy a whole lot of things in order to see the references and and understand them to a deeper level and a lot of writers you know uh base things on shakespeare which to me like they think they're being real awesome when they do that but i think you're being a real shit dick when you do that (laughs) and you should write your own fucking story um so i'm kind of torn like this this is why actually now that you ask this this is why i shit on west side story because even without seeing it it's romeo and juliet and so not from an acting standpoint or a directing standpoint, but from the conception of the script standpoint, I don't fucking like it. I already don't fucking like it. And so Shakespeare, yeah, Shakespeare's fine. And if you're doing a Macbeth, I guess that's fine. But if you think that you wrote some new shit and you're being so creative with your modern take of Macbeth because you changed some names around it, then I think you're an asshole. Um, I think that kind of I think that kind of explains how I feel about Shakespeare. <laughs> This one, I will say, this is this is not like you know a modern interpretation or like a different. This is this is straight up Macbeth, um, and this version visually. So it's in four by three ratio, and it's all in black and white, um, and so it really looks like a stage play. The sets and everything, a lot of very solid walls with incredible lighting i thought visually that this looked amazing um the contrast and everything and um denzel is great and he's done shakespeare before you know he's been in you about nothing and he's he's done this before um i can i i'm i think that shakespeare when done well can be really fascinating and interesting to watch yeah. and bad shakespeare is incredibly boring and terrible <laughs> to watch and this is did anything Denzel 
is great. And Denzel can just read the shit out of some Shakespeare. You know, I, and yeah, yeah. Denzel deliveries. He he is wonderful, and I think he. There are times in it where you're you kind of can infer what's happening based on the scenes, and sometimes what they're saying is going over my head to be completely transparent. But then every now and then you catch one of those really great lines of poetry, and it sticks out, and you're like, oh wow, that that's a great line. Like yeah. oh man, how how well do said you, that is. Do you think uh, he's in contention for something here? Uh, he's going to be nominated for best actor at the Oscars. 100%. Awesome. Um, I I don't know if, um, it'll, if the tragedy of Macbeth will be nominated for best picture necessarily. Um, I think that that's a harder category, but I think Denzel will probably be one of the five. Um, I'd be, I'd be shocked if he's not. Um, and he, and he is worthy. I mean, he's great in it. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say if you're a fan of Macbeth, or you're a fan of Denzel, or you're a fan of the Coens, um, give it a watch. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. You can stream it at home. Um, if you're really not high on Shakespeare or whatever, this, I don't think this is going to break you of that. <laughs> you know, this is 100% Shakespeare lyrics um, on screen. But, man, if if you want to hear somebody who can really read some Shakespeare, Denzel's your guy. You ever and seen the old 1970s Macbeth with Ian McKellen? I have not. That one fucking goes hard, too. Maybe. Ian McKellen can read the <laughs> shit out of some Shakespeare. If I have it, it was forever ago. I don't remember seeing it. And there was one a few years ago with uh, Michael Fassbender was in. I didn't see that one. Um, I've heard it's kind of a slog, but uh, but there have been, I mean, even dating back to Orson wells did macbeth back in the you know in the 40s and there have been a lot of like pretty stellar interpretations and this is another good one and uh and it's only like an hour 40 you know so it's like pretty brisk to watch uh there's a lot of stage actors in the movie to fill out the rest of the cast which i think is interesting and and i mean really lends itself to what it is which is theater on the screen uh so yeah, so that's that's where I made on Tragedy of Macbeth. Is that I was pretty high on it, but you know, yeah. I'm not saying that if you like Shakespeare, this year this is going to be the thing that that sells you on at all, <laughs> because because it's not. But Denzel knocks it out of the park, and I, I you know, interestingly enough, I think Frances McDormand as an actress is pretty brilliant, and I think she's kind of the weaker link in this film. She's just kind of Frances McDormand doing her thing and doing Shakespeare, and I found her less interesting. Um, but Denzel's wonderful. You said and it there's was, uh, the witches in it are fantastic. The main actress that plays the witch is mm. great. You said it ran like a, about an hour and a half. Yeah, like hour forty. Um, the I went and looked up the other one, the one with Ian McKellen, and that one ran two and a half hours. Because yeah, I was you like, go. you know, that one seemed pretty fucking slow, even though it was good. But yeah, I, I like the idea of cut about an hour off of that. Yeah, yeah. This one, this one moved quickly. Um, and also just like choosing, you know, not to get too much into it all, um, but just Macbeth having him be older and, you know, a lot of the choices here are just very interesting because um, I think that I, I believe I'm not like the, uh, you know, a student of Shakespeare here by any means, but I think that traditionally, traditionally uh, Macbeth is is a bit younger, um, which can kind of change the story. and. Uh, having Denzel, who's, you know, a bit later on in his years these days, uh, 
play the role is an interesting choice, but he's just, I mean, I can watch. He, he's one of our greatest living actors. I mean, let's, let's, let's be real. So, um, no surprise there. I would not argue with that. But even still, when I'm watching Shakespeare, any Shakespeare, like every now and then you hear one of those classic lines and you're like, oh yeah, that's from this. You know, like lines that are used in a in tons of popular culture, like from Macbeth um, during one of the witch's lines when she drops something wicked this way comes. Mm. I'm like, oh yeah, that's Macbeth. Like that's where that line comes from because yeah. it's used in so many different things and titles of books and in shows and so on. But it's like, oh man, yeah, that's Shakespeare. So there you go. Um, so I think that's all I've got to say about that. That's all I've been watching. Um, is there anything else that y'all wanted I, to bring? I had something week? time sensitive. I wanted to share with the viewers. Uh, this is your little, I was going to push it to our next episode because we're going to talk about more video games next episode. Uh, but there is the steam uh, lunar new year sale going on right now. Uh, it is like a big sale. Like you're getting 80% off to like 50% off uh, a lot of good titles. I personally will be talking about, I purchased Days Gone, uh, which is formerly a PlayStation exclusive that I've always wanted to play. You guys know I'm a zombie head. Uh, it was 40% off. Uh, and it also had... Uh, that beaver game I won't shut the fuck up about, uh, <laughs> Timberborn, but it was, uh, that one was only like $5 off, so I was like, I could wait on that one, uh, but I got Days Gone, they have like Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, is like 60%, I don't know, man, there's some big sales, uh, if you are a PC gamer, this is your wake-up call to go buy, at least buy, buy something, you know what, Jahan told you, go treat yourself, buy one of these sale items, your life will be better, uh, capitalism rules I you think. guys remember how uh last week i told you that rainbow six extraction came out and i was going to tell you all about it next time we were on the stream yeah yeah we're gonna do that next week we're so gonna do that next thank, week yeah thanks for tuning in I'll, I'll tell you about it i promise next week i really will yeah next week we're doing a lot more game stuff uh so you can tune in for that but i think that's it for our fresh takes for our boba fett uh you guys got anything all i was gonna say is that i've got um Pokemon Arceus, the new open world Pokemon Bro. game, just just came out yesterday. I, I literally it. have this purchased and downloaded on my Switch, but haven't even played it yet. So that's all I can say is I want to play it, but and I have it, but I just haven't had. A I want to play. It. I've seen I've seen some gameplay footage. I'm excited. I also badly want to play it. Uh, but I guess that's it for us for fresh out the box. Uh, the Royal Rumble still rumbling on over there while yeah, Drew. Currently, it's uh, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley in the in a title match. So th before Bobby the Lashley is season. back. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, he's been back for a hot minute. I didn't is know. It? Is he still a heel? He was a heel when he came back, and he was still in hella good shape. Yep, that dude's yep, a monster, been, dude. I hope he beats the shit out of stupid Brock Lesnar. Uh, but yeah, so we've been fresh out the uh, the podcast. Uh, I'm Jahananon at Rockfact on Twitter at Jahananon one on TikTok. I'm Casualty CDG, and you can find me at Casualty CDG. You can find me and Jahan here, twitch.tv backslash Jahan and on every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, playing board games and tabletop games and meeting new people and always trying to do something new and fresh and show you new, cool, fresh stuff. Uh, so if you're into that and you want to see people improving and making silly character voices, uh, you know where to find us, baby boy. 
And I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. And this has been episode 30 of Fresh Out the Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit us with the hashtag, uh, hashtag Boo Drew. All right. See you guys. (laughs) 